should I do like a little intro thing or dude or how do I work for you today okay hi my name is Trav and you're listening to my chapter of as the story grows what would you say you do here Have a good time all the time. Dominate. Who got it better than us? Nobody! What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. I've got information, man. I want you to be realistic. What do you love about music? I am being realistic. As the story grows. I always wanted to be part of a small rebellion. You got this, Travis. Make them wait for it. So for this episode of As the Story Grows, I'm Jeremy Hunt, and I'll be your host. We're flipping the script, turning the tables, or in the words of the illustrious Michael Scott, how the turntables have turned. Um, this is a very special chapter as we're going to finally answer that eternal question, who interviews the interviewers? I love a good interview, no matter what the format is, and recently I've become a bit obsessed with this thought. What stories do the hosts and interviewers that we love have to share themselves? So specifically, I thought of my good buddy, Travis Turner, and this might not be readily apparent to everyone, so I want to make sure I highlighted this today. Conducting good interviews is really uh, an art form. The best ones do their research and groundwork, digging deep to look for stories and insights that help form the questions that can help shape a conversation. So a few months back, I had the idea to pitch this episode to Travis. We upend the usual format and put him in the hot seat. After all, he's an accomplished musician and artist in his own right, having been a part of or contributed to, I think I have the numbers right, at least 15 bands over the past like 18 years or so. And it may stretch farther back depending on uh, the, the bands that, that you've shared. I don't know. That he shared with Okay. So we'll go with that. Um, so you know he's got his own fair share of stories. As the Story Grows is now almost four years old, I yep. think. October. And, and awesome. And then uh, and after 155 episodes, I think. Something like that. It seemed only right to dedicate one to the man behind the mic. So, without any further ado, your friend of mine, a champion of the people, the drum tickler himself, <laughs> Travis Turner. The drum tickler. <laughs> 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 uh, the whole time I'm sitting here with that embarrassed, like, oh my goodness, this is so much bigger than it should be for me. Oh, wow, Jeremy, thank you so much. And then you said drum tickler, and I was like, ah, yeah, yeah gross. Yeah. Oh, you made it dirty. <laughs> thank you so uh, much. You know. Yeah, man. I'm excited to do this. This has been a long time coming. Um, so let's kick uh, things off by going back to the beginning. Um, I want to talk about your the music. I want to talk about the podcast itself. Okay. Um, plans that are you know for the future, things that are in the hopper right now. Um, but let's let's just kind of go back to the beginning. What are some of your first memories of music? As a kid, like, what did you grow up with? How did you get hooked on it? Um, when did you start drumming? You know, when did you start playing? All that sort of basic stuff. Because I, I don't know that I've ever heard any of these stories. And okay. I'm assuming maybe other people haven't as well. Okay. Um, I don't come from an overly musical family, at least my immediate, my parents. Um, <clears throat> but out of the blue, uh, they did a lot of, I raised in a very... Uh, 
like a Christian home and everything. And and um, my dad was a little older than other dads. Uh, he didn't have me till he was forty-two. My dad had me, an only child, the same age that I am now, and I have three kids. So oh, wow, okay. Him and I are like on different playing fields when it comes to children because I started so much earlier than him. But <laughs> anyway, um, uh, he was listening to oldies. Like, I'm 42 now. All my friends that are my age, not all of them, most of my friends that are my age, their dads were listening to Zeppelin and, mm. and The Who and, and, you know, stuff like that. My dad was listening to uh, R&B, 50s stuff, some Elvis. Uh, the, closest, the closest my dad came to rock and roll was, like, Credence, right? Mm. Which is rad because I, I, yeah. I, I, all that stuff is great. Um. And and then my mom was a praise and worship lady. You know what I mean? She was all okay. like, everything that she could get her hands on as far as like worship music and stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, that stuff's very anthemic and big and, and overarching. And you know, it's not really technical or anything. But um, right. And then and then they had like Bible studies at the house and stuff. And then one day, I remember, you know, how, like I guess it's like obligatory if you get together and talk about the Bible, you have to sing three songs. I don't know where that's written in there. <laughs> You know, but like, like, it's like the three points in a sermon. You just gotta have them. Got to, and then you have to do the whole like turn to your neighbor and tell them that you love them and they're happy to be here. And you're like, okay, right. But anyway, um, out of the blue, I'm in I'm in the back room playing with kids, and I hear instruments, and I'm like, I wonder who's playing those. And I walked in, my dad was strumming an acoustic guitar, and my mom was playing an auto harp. Oh wow! Yeah, that okay. big harp looking joint, you know. Yeah. And they were just strumming chords, and I was just like, "What the hell!" Like, I didn't know you two could do this. And my dad was like, "Oh, I, I mean, he started like playing a couple Johnny Cash songs and everything." And I was just like, "Wow, I don't understand what's happening." Like, I did not see that coming. It totally blew me how, away. How old were you at this point? Oh, dude, I could. I had to be seven. Okay. Seven or eight. And but it, yeah, there was like the shock of seeing them do it. The I, first time. I didn't know there was a guitar in the house, Jeremy. I was like, where did that even come from? It was like upstairs in the storage room, and I guess he just decided, well, if we're going to do a praise and worship thing, I should go tune that thing. And I was, I didn't even know we had a guitar, you know? And, and then um, we also had one of those humongous, like, you need all your friends to help you move it, record players. Like those hmm. huge wooden... Like a Victrola kind of thing? But... I don't remember what brand it was, but it was it was like the wooden thing that where you lift up you lift up the top in different sections. Mm -hmm. It ha it was it like like the record player part had was on like a shock absorber because I remember I, every time I walked past I would smack it with my finger and watch it wobble. You know what I mean? It's probably not good for yep. it. Yep. But um, we had we had some some vinyl in there, and um, my favorite record to listen to was a Maxell sampler. I know. Okay. I know. You just gave me the same look everybody gives me. Um, it was. It was almost like. It was like a promotional. I don't know what my parents would have bought to get a promotional record. Um, I don't know if it was like this is like back in the seventies. So I don't know if when you buy like your ten pack of cassettes or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but they had a Maxell sampler and it. it. It was like a jazz sampler, and okay. it had it had all kinds of like crazy. Not a lot of like acid jazz kind of stuff and everything, but I remember one song on there was from the Chick Corea band, and I remember mm. listening to that and just being like, "I've never heard music like this before because it's all over the place. It's not making any sense. How do these people know what the other ones are doing? Like I didn't. Right. I, I don't understand. How are they following each other? Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that's that was my first little uh, injection of jazz and stuff. And um, 
I mean, I'm no jazz uh, connoisseur, but but I mean, to be to be a child and hear Chick Corea and not mm. and not instantly think, Ugh, what the hell is that? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> so so from there, it just kind of turned into like an amalgamation of like everything from like credence to praise mm. and worship music to the occasional jazz thing to whatever was on the radio as I walked by, and it was it was a weird crockpot, you know. Mm. And then um. I I don't really remember. Like I was on a, I was on a a puppet drama team when I was in school. I went to a Christian school, so you you did that kind of weird stuff, and yeah. I was in like a like a touring team, and um, so that was like my first exposure to hanging out with a bunch of kids my age, and there was the skateboard kid that introduced me to the Crucified and mm. old REM and like. Uh, we had we had the one dude that was into the cure, you know that kind of thing, and and then we had mm. a couple a couple. I remember one girl in particular was into like pop rock and everything, so that was like that was my Aerosmith, that was that kind of thing. And then and then one kid was into metal, and and I started listening to that, and and it, and again the crockpot just got more ingredients, and it just got weirder and weirder in there, and I was listening yeah. to literally everything, and um, mm. and then where it all turned for me was. Uh, I mean, at the time I was again Christian home. I'm allowed to listen sure. to Christian music, so whatever. Right. I just got, I started getting a, a taste for the heavier stuff, I guess. And um, I was listening to like you know when I say heavier stuff, I'm talking like like Petra, <laughs> you know. Right, right, right. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> my uh, my best friend, who I hadn't seen for a while, who wound up being the bass player for Unteacher's first album. His name is Josh Kale. Mm -hmm. He mm -hmm. he and I kind of separated for a while. Because I don't know if we stopped going to church or they did or whatever that church, or whatever. And um, <clears throat> we kind of got back on the phone and we, and it was kind of like, so you still collect baseball cards? Nah, kind of kind of got into music. Me too. He had gone down the heavy, like he was mm. at the he was at the very very bottom floor of like Christian thrash metal. He was oh wow okay. he was my vengeance believer tourniquet. He got and then and from there, that's when me wanting craving something that was heavier and more aggressive but I was still quote unquote allowed to listen to it mm -hmm. that's when it all changed somewhere around 12 so I guess like okay so eh, well 80 88 probably in there somewhere so like a, a five to six year span of just it sounds like a crash course and everything yep yeah, yeah. really everything because yeah, yeah you got you got some parents who went home and just listened to the Beatles every night. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Beatles are cornerstone, but I mean, like, so many other flavors of ice cream out there, man. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a little bit of everything. You know, so in, in that in that time frame, was that when you started? Uh, is our drums? I, I'm assuming I made this assumption. I could be wrong. Do you play any other instruments other than the drums, or is that is that your that's your primary thing? Pr pr primary and only. I wish. I, okay. I have a bass hanging on the wall. I would love to learn how to play it, and I thump along to a U2 song now and again, but I wouldn't call me a bass player. <laughs> but no, I'm just just drums. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's that's enough in and of itself. It's I, I have wanted to learn how to play over the years, but I've just never gotten around to it. Mm -hmm. um, so when did, when did actually, when did it cross over from, okay, my mind's being blown by all this, you know, crazy music stuff I wasn't exposed to before, and you're just like trying to, take it in and process it and understand it and your appreciation of it's growing. Then when did that shift into, Oh, I, I want to actually do this. Okay. Um, 
working with what did my, that look like what uh looked like a 13 year old kid with a mullet uh sitting in his dad's truck <laughs> <laughs> um i was like <laughs> i was i was again i was an only child and mm. um my mom was an at-home mom until i was about eight and then for whatever reason she decided she needed to go back to work and um uh, couldn't, couldn't really afford, this isn't, uh, I came from a poor background, I'm not going down that path, but, but we couldn't, sure. we couldn't afford a babysitter for me. And at the same time, we lived on, in like a farming area in Coopersburg, Pennsylvania. I, who, who are we going to get? You know what I mean? Like we yeah. couldn't Google anything back then. <clears throat> so <laughs> my parents came up with the idea of, oh, we'll just take Trav to work. Dad, dad will take Trav to work. And he was a, he repaired swimming pools. He's a one okay. one man swimming pool repair crew. He was a he was oh, wow. he worked like a bull. To this day, I don't know any man that ever worked as hard as my father. He's he's a mm. he, he was actually kind of stupid to work that hard. <laughs> but um, <laughs> at eleven years old, at like nine nine and ten, I was going out with him, and I was just like sitting there all day, listening to the radio, trying to stay out of mm. trouble. My dad's trying to concentrate on repairing a pool, and he's like, "Where the hell did my kid go?" You know what I mean, like. I'm near, right, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm near power tools next to a pool. And he's like, I lost track of the, you know, so, um, you could have died at any minute. I could have, I'm sawed off one of my fingers, dad, you know, but, but, um, <laughs> uh, somewhere in there, I started working with him. Cause he was like, I'll give you five bucks an hour. Cause as you break, mm. as you break apart a swimming pool, all that stone has to be taken away. And it was all mm-hmm. taken away in five-gallon buckets by hand, walked all the way to my dad's pickup, <laughs> dumped the rocks. Oh, dude, worked like a bull. So I started working with my dad, right? So mm. driving back and forth to jobs with him, you know those big rectangular construction pencils? The ones, uh, yeah, the, uh-huh. the ones yep. you sharpen with a knife usually? Yep, yep, yep. He's listening to oldies. He's listening to doo-wop, four tops or whatever, and, and I'm banging on the dashboard with two of those pencils. No way. And, awesome. and, and the drums were making sense to me. It sounded like I was at least, I don't know what the ride symbol is yet or whatever, but I'm, I'm sure. at least tapping in time. And um, mm. it was just him turning to me and going, huh, getting pretty good at that. I guess we got to buy you a drum set. That's awesome. Okay. So that, and he put that in my head and I was just like, oh, that's what I want. I want a drum set. And that was probably about mm. 12 years old. And, uh, mm. and that was, and I, I, he bought me my first drum set and I still have it. Matter of fact, I played out with it last night. So no way. What kind of, what, what set was it? It's a, I it's, mean, it's a Rogers holiday kit from, I think 1962. I haven't, Rogers did a bad job with their, uh, letting mm-hmm. you know what, what it, what, what it was exactly. But right. he bought me a maple Rogers kit from some, some dude's grandfather that I went to school with. No way! And I still have it, and I I just played out with it last night. I love it. It's it's a great little drum. That's a, that's killer. I think, I, and I'm not well versed being, not being a drummer. I'm not I'm not well versed in drum kits in general. But I think um, Mike, our drummer, has a Rogers kit, and it might be a holiday. That, that's fantastic. Holiday that's set. Such good yeah, he 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 absolutely loves it. It's what he used on. At least parts of our last album. So right. yeah, and it sounds killer. It's I mean, it's a fantastic kit. Yeah, and they and they've they've. I mean, if you haven't beaten the hell out of them, which uh, mine are, mine are my shells are in great shape, but I I I lost hardware over the years and stuff. You know, mm. but, yeah. But, um, they they maintain their value, man. They have they have there's there's snare drums on eBay for fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. And and twenty bids. 
you know, people are going after. That's insane. Mm-hmm. I know. That's wild. <clears throat> so it all started with him. I, he got. He told me he just got sick and tired of going to sharpen those pencils, and all the lead inside was broken because his dipshit son <laughs> broke them all on the dashboard. <laughs> <laughs> so I think. I think. To, to finally answer your question, I think my dad bought me a drum set to save money on pencils. Yep. There that you go. makes sense. <laughs> yep. It's a tale as old as time. Yeah. Beautiful. Isn't it? <laughs> So at that point, did you, uh, what, wh- like, when did you start, I guess, like once you got the drum kit and, and then started practicing and that sort of stuff, were you just kind of like playing along to music? Did yes. you ever do any, any, le- I mean, were those your lessons basically just playing along to stuff? I was taking lessons, like sit at a rubber pad, paradiddle. <laughs> okay. I was, I was yeah. doing that up until I got the drum set, but I just wanted to rock, man. I was, I was learning. Yeah. Like, when it came to drum kits, I'm being taught by this kid who's maybe four years older than me, but he was, like, he was, like, in high school, and he was rated, like, one of the top snare drummers in the state, and that kind of thing. He was phenomenal. Wow. Such a good teacher. And at the same time, he introduced me to, like, you know, <clears throat> I want you to listen to Iron Maiden, because this guy plays with one foot. And I'm like, no way. Can't play metal with one foot. Yes, you can. It's Iron Maiden, you know? So, yeah. So he, he, you know, he was like, you know, I, 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 he, I never really got into it to the point that I should have, but when he started to teach me how to write out tablature and everything, he picked something mm. easy, like Looks That Kill from Motley Crue, because it's just kick, okay. snare, kick, snare, kick, snare, kick, mm. kick, snare, kick, snare. So it's super easy to write that out. But he, he started teaching me the book stuff with real-life metal examples. Okay. So I was I was in the right place at the right time, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, and, that's cool. And so so as soon as I got my drum set, I learned how to play a drum set by watching these ding dongs on MTV. I mean, Tommy Lee's lighting his shit on fire. You know what I mean? So so like <laughs> right. I'm supposed to be playing like gentle and everything. And I, I go home and the first song that I played on the drums on my drum kit was "Youth Gone Wild" from Skid Row. Nice. And, and by the end of the first time, I put my stick through the snare drum. The original Roger's head from the '60s that just had brush marks on it, right? From from the guy who was playing in his jazz band, and I was just like, I was like, "Yes, God, walk!" Just crashed through it, and 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 it's been 30 years. I'm still doing it, you know. You're like, oh crap. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh, I wonder how much those cost. (laughs) I just got him to buy me a drum set. I'm like, Dad, I broke it already. He probably wanted to wring my neck, you know. Yeah. That's funny. One thing I want to touch on before, because I want to obviously jump into like what your first band when you get started with that. But one thing okay. before we get too far, I wanted to go back just because, you know, this is a, an area of passion for me in terms of understanding how these things interact and how they intersect. So I'm curious to hear what your experience was. And it sounds like on the whole it was maybe mostly positive, but um, 
growing up with that Christian background and growing up in the church and that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. how did that influence, or, or, or was it even something um, like at the front of your mind? Maybe, maybe it's something that now you can reflect back on and think on, but how did that atmosphere and that sort of cultural background influence how you understood like music and art? Because I know that for some people, uh, you know, because I'm I'm 39, so I'm like you know I'm three years younger than you, so we're sort of close in terms of like what we probably came up with. Yeah, I think so. I I came up with some acceptance, but then there was definitely a a, a strong part of like the background where I grew up in the South, where um, sorry, car going by. That's fine. Uh, that w- that was very opposed to it. Like yeah. we don't listen to this, right. we don't do this, mm-hmm. or. Or if you do want to listen to this, well, here's the Christian version of Iron Maiden, or here's the Christian yep. version of Metallica. Baron Cross. So what, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to hear what your experience with that particular intersection, because I think that's kind of, I don't you mean, know, can be kind of a, an interesting thing. I don't mean to bum you out, but you almost just described it word for word exactly how it was for me. Um, okay. The recommended if you like stuff. I've talked about this on the show a yep. hundred times where, you know, yep. can't listen to Iron Maiden because they're all Satan worshipers and eat babies. But Bar- <laughs> but the singer from Baron Cross pretty much sounds like Bruce Dickinson. So here's mm-hmm. here's Iron Maiden light, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. of course I listened to that stuff because I was allowed to, and then I had like this dirty little secret where I was listening to secular music, and <laughs> especially at the time that I was getting indoctrinated in, it was it was the MTV hair metal era because I listened mm-hmm. to all that stuff too. No shame in that game, and it was yep. and it was all tits and ass. So it was like, yeah. of course. Of course I can't let my mother know that I'm listening to, you know, like, oh my goodness, girls, 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 are you kidding me? I'm going right. to get killed. So yeah. I, uh, I definitely had like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde musical thing. I, I mm. hid, I hid music in my room. I had a, I had a tape dubbing system to not get caught. That's how bad mm. it was. So it was, it was definitely, but then, but then, like I said, you go to school around your friends it's, yeah. it's fine. Everything's fine because you're a kid and it's another kid and we're all accepting and we just want to consume more and more and more. What do you listen to? Yeah. Oh, Slayer. They're Satan worshippers? That's fine. Let me listen to that. You know what I mean? Right. It turns out, I'll check it out. Yeah, it turns out they're not. But right. But no, it was very, very much like uh, um, the biggest problem I ran into with it was you go look at some of the album covers or some of the uh, the content of some of the Christian music back then at the Christian mm-hmm. bookstore, and it made it into the Christian bookstore, and I'm trying to convince my mom that I can have this, and it's, mm, mm. and then it's like cross-referencing the lyrics and stuff, and I was just like, ah, it's not even worth the work, man. I'd rather just hide <laughs> a Metallica tape, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, very, very much so, um, mm. this side and that side, very much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's always just fascinating to me. And, and I think that's so unhealthy, too, because that indirectly builds a weird wall inside your head that we're right mm-hmm. and they're wrong. Yeah. And I think that's... Yeah, and it's, I feel like it's one of those places where you, get, you start getting that bizarre sort of secular sacred dichotomy mm. that just doesn't make sense once, once, once you start like poking at it. And you're like, well, why, why is this over on this side, whereas this is over on this side? Like, we're all human beings. Right, right. We're all trying to figure things out, why can't it all just exist in one big bucket? It's an age-old conversation that, that, again, I've spoken to with so many guests where it's like, 
you're a Christian artist, then your Christian art has to have a certain like you ha- it's almost like you have to hit all the certain routines in, yeah. the, in the in the, the floor gymnastics routine. Well, did you do your? Did you hit the triple axel? Did you mention Jesus enough times? Are there Bible verses actually cross referenced in the lyrics? Whereas, yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas if you go to your buddy's barbecue restaurant. Mm-hmm. And he happens to be born again and listening to religious music. Is that now a Christian barbecue sandwich? Like, like, right, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> like when you get older and look back on it, you're like, yeah, my God, what a ridiculous amount of like bullshit I put myself through. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. I wonder what I missed out on by going, uh, maybe that's bad. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. For sure. All right. Cool. Yeah. I was just curious. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's the same, right, so, same thing as everybody else, basically. Yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm, you know, it's probably one of those things that we won't be able to fully grap- grapple with or understand until maybe our kids Dude. reflect on it. So you have like a generation reflecting back on this generation. But it just makes me wonder, like, what sort of themes and commonalities and sort of like how that then impacts the art that we're, that, you know, folks like us try to make is... is either wrestling with that or just trying to move past it and move beyond it and do our own thing, you know, because I I know that has to feed into one way or another, whether we're reconciling with it or whether we're outright rejecting it or, you know, whatever the case may be. So, so true. Okay. So then, um, so that's actually a good segue then into the, the band stuff. So if you've got that sort of perspective and, and you're playing drums and you're, and you're listening to all this stuff, at what point were you like, oh, we can, I can make a band or I can, I can buddy up with some friends? And like, when did that start? College. Um, okay. I didn't really play with and, other musicians other than Josh, the guy that I mentioned before. He, yeah. He, would, he started playing bass. He would bring his bass over, I would play my drums, and we would play along to Iron Maiden and Striper or whatever the best we could. And yeah. we started getting okay at it. You know, we were actually keeping up. But it almost like didn't dawn on us to find other guitarists and start a band. Mm. It was more like, I wonder when a band we like are going to fire their bass player and drummer. And... and <laughs> And how do how would we get in? It's it. I never never had the. Um, That's wild. Never had the concept of starting your own thing at that age. Anyway, it was more like sure. You're still under this disillusion of like, well, the record company scouts people, and mm, I'll leave okay. my windows open while I'm practicing, and someone will be driving down my road in in <laughs> Coopersburg, and they'll and they'll squeal, they'll stomp on the brakes and go, I gotta have that. Who is that guy? You know. <laughs> and, and it did not work that way. <laughs> it's the behind the music story of Travis Turner. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, my parents are downstairs. Ding dong. Hi, I'm a record executive. And who is that drummer upstairs? I have to talk to him. You know. That's so funny. Not how it worked, but yeah, yeah. yeah. It didn't really dawn on me until college, uh, which I didn't stick around in college very long. But I did dip my toe in it, and um. The first semester, I basically was like, okay, I'll take these five electives to keep my parents off my case. I think I want to start playing with other musicians, you know. Yeah. And I found a couple, started jamming with them, and I, not even worth mentioning. Never never played a show, never recorded anything. Just, sure, sure. Just but cutting your teeth with other people, you know. Yeah, that sort of stuff, though, is foundational. I mean, it's, it's tough because you're right, there's nothing to show for it. Right. But that's, that, that's where you're... That's where you're like honing your craft in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean yeah, that's yeah. where you're putting your time in, and you're figuring out, oh, can I do this, or what, you know, how does this work? Right. 
I mean, it's, that sort of stuff is... It's funny that you mentioned that I was involved with 15 bands. I didn't even know it was that many. But I learned what I didn't want from each of those past 14 bands, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, because yeah. I'm not in that band anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's all, like my buddy Seth says, it's all formative. Yep. So, so yeah, I learned, it really I learned is. a lot about what I didn't want <clears throat> at 17 years old, dealing with uh, some of them thingalings or whatever. But... <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that was, that was, you know, getting together, like, band practice, man, twice a week. What do you mean you're mm. missing band practice? And, then, yeah. and there's always the one guy that's like, why are we practicing? We don't have any, like, you think Quincy Jones is going to show up at a show and be like, <laughs> sign here, you know? Like, whatever. <laughs> Idiots. Just so dumb. Such dumb. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. That's a great way to look at it. It's all formative. Mm-hmm. Were you guys going? So, oh, okay. So, college. Were you? Uh, were you in the same area? Because I mean, Pennsylvania, just the whole time. I never left. I'm. I, I'm. Okay. I'm. I'm about a half hour from where I grew up. So, okay. I went to the local community college. I, <clears throat> I think I went for. I guess my major was technically psych. Because I was like, I don't, okay. I don't throw a dart. I hit psych, you know. Yeah, but yeah. I took five elective courses. It was just the typical, you know, intro, everything one hundred and one, math one hundred and one, one hundred and one, Spanish, yeah. whatever. And then uh, I only did, I only did uh, two two semesters. I didn't even, I didn't even mm. finish. And then I just decided, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to play, I want to play drums. And I decided to go after it full time. But I, I didn't go after it right. I didn't go after it correctly. Mm. And technically, I'm the guy. Technically, I'm the guy who went all in with music and didn't make it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But <laughs> met my met my wife, and that gave me motivation to like, oh, I, but I do have to work. I do have to go get a job yeah. and stuff because I want this chick to stick around, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, she, we just celebrated our 18th anniversary. So, dude, that's amazing! I, Congratulations. Yeah, I, I, uh, I guess I did okay in that department, you know. But so then, how did you guys meet? Like what? What we met? Was we met because I was trying to find a guitarist for my stupid band, Jeremy. Um, okay. <laughs> then it was all worth it. it Eighteen all, years later, it was all, all worth it. it. Here's the story. I'll I'll give this to you as quick as I can. So which band was this? Do you remember the name? It wasn't a band. It was me and oh, a, okay. another dude that liked Anthrax that I met, and we became friends. And we were like, nice. we want to start a band. So his name was Dave, and um, I was. In the library at college one night, and the paper was due tomorrow, and the library was closing in like 20 minutes, and I was mm. like, clickety click, snip snap, snip snap, done, and I hit print, and the shit came out all wrong, like all the margins were off, where it was like the entire line, and then two letters, mm. and then a space, and I was just like, oh no, oh, no. it's those old Apple computers, and like this this would have yep. been 93. So like a dot matrix printer. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, the printer went off. You thought it was an air raid, right? So um this was ninety three. This is fall of ninety three. And uh Okay. I uh I was like, oh no. Like, you know what? I'm so tired, I'll just hand this paper in with the margins off. He can figure it out. He'll take off a couple points, I'll soak it, whatever, I'm going home. Sure. And the girl next to me in my class, we we were buddies, not dating or anything. She was she was like um she was like, uh, it's a pity you don't have the arrangement that I do. Um, my friend is taking me to his friend's house who has an Apple computer. Now, now, again, okay, kids, 
1993, not everybody had a computer at their house, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not of the same format. Like, it wasn't the whole, like, well, I have PC and the school operates on, on uh, iOS, but I can just flip a switch and make it all. It did not work yeah. that way back then, right? So yeah, yeah. she knew a dude who knew a dude who had an Apple. And she basically said, I'm going to finish up what I'm doing here, and I'm going to this guy's house. I don't know this guy, but my friend knows him. And, mm-hmm. and I'm going to type the paper on the spot and print it out right then and there. I'm basically just going to pull an all-nighter. And I was like, that sounds amazing. As, <laughs> as she was telling me that, her friend walked in and said, my mom was in a car accident. I can't take you tonight. Oh, wow. So she starts crying. And right away she starts panicking. What if this dude's a rapist? And, my, and I'm, like, I'm, I'm like trying to stay rational. Like, If your friend would vouch for this guy, why do you now assume that he's going to cook you and eat you? Like, <laughs> right? But she's a woman who wasn't comfortable going to a stranger's apartment. Sure. Fine, I sure, accept sure. that. And I was like, so I, I got selfish. And I was like, do you want me to take you? I got nothing to do tonight. And she was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Threw her arms around my neck like I just saved her life, right? And the whole time right. I'm just thinking, like, this dude's going to fix my margins in, like, five minutes, and I'm out, right? So <laughs> so did you have it, like, saved on a disc or something? Yeah, or? yeah the, the floppy, the, the yep. three and a half. So, yep. um, so that's exactly what happened. Me and this girl, I don't even remember her name. I think it was Rebecca. We went to this dude's apartment. Mm-hmm. Who wound up being the sweetest guy. His nickname was Too Tall because I think he was like eleven feet tall. <laughs> and I'm five eight, so I got Too there. Tall with the Apple computer. Exactly. So I, I I'm five eight. I show up and I'm like, if this dude is gonna cook us and eat us, there ain't a damn thing I can do about it. This dude's a monster, right? right? Turns out, sweetest dude ever. <laughs> going to school to be a doctor or something, and um, I fixed what I had to do on the computer. It was done. I printed it out. Paper looked amazing. I was like, ah, I'm done. And I was like, I, I'm, I'm just going to go home. Turns out this guy was so cool. He was, he was watching, like, basketball or something like that. He's like, you want to watch? And I was like, yeah. So um, flopped on his couch with him, got to talking to him, told him I was a drummer, looking for a band and everything. I know a guy. I know a guy named Matt. Mm. You should meet this guy. There's a party this Saturday. What are you doing? So I instantly got on the phone. Not, well, not instantly, because there was no cell phones then. But I got on the horn with Dave as soon as I could, and I told him, dude, this Saturday there's a party. And there's going to be a guitarist there. We should go mm. try to meet this guy, right? So I went on a Saturday night to a completely strange part of the neighborhood in Bethlehem that I didn't know. I knocked on this apartment door. Somebody opened up the door, and I was like, hi, is too tall here? And they were like, no, he's probably not coming till midnight. And I was like, oh. Uh, and I looked at Dave, and I was like, oh, man. And then um, and I said, is there a guy here named Matt, like long hair, plays guitar? Oh, yeah, Matt's probably not coming. Uh, if he does come, he won't be here till later. And I turned to Dave, and I was like, let's go. And, and if Dave would have said, okay, let's go, I'd have never met my wife. What? Because Dave was like, dude, what if this guy's good, right? And I was like, all right, fine. So we walked in, me and Dave walked into one of, Dave I just met four months ago. Dave could, right. Dave could still try to cook me at this point. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we walked into this apartment completely full. It's like an 80s movie party. It was packed yeah. wall-to-wall people. Everybody's drinking, smoke everywhere. And I walked in just like, this is going to be a waste of time. I can't wait till like, I can't wait till Dave wants to bail and we can like go bowling or something, right? <laughs> and, um, and we stuck around and waited and waited and waited. And this blonde chick walked over and started talking to me and I married her. So Wow. Yeah. So that's awesome. Some dude who knew a dude who had an Apple computer's mother got in a car accident. 
That's how I met my wife. Ah, <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. That's a cool story. That's, that's awesome. There's a lot of moving really, parts, and it all shouldn't have worked the way it did. There's a lot of ins, a lot of outs, uh -huh. a lot of what have yous. Yep, a lot of what have yous. New shits come to light. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, your own mini, it's your own mini Lebowski story. It is kind of. It's it's got a lot. It's it's any any of those ingredients that I just threw in there could have went a different yeah. direction, and it didn't work that way. Because that's wild. Any of those people could have been like, no, that's not the way this is going to go, and I'd have been like, okay, and I'd have never made. Okay. I'd have never wound up where I did. You know. But, you know, in some ways, I feel like I know you said what you said about yourself about like, you know, I'm the guy that went all in and didn't make it. But I mean, I feel like that's I, I, I feel like this is something that a lot of us who got into music in that time frame can now look back and see like so much of what we thought was the 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 goal to pursue, like the people that we saw on MTV, the bands that we go to shows and see. I remember at least thinking like. Oh man, I just gotta put these pieces and align these up, and then I could do that. Yes, like in my head, kind of like you were saying, like, "Oh, Chris <coughs> Jones is gonna drive by; <laughs> somebody right. will hear me." Like I remember at that point in time thinking, like, "Oh, I just gotta, I gotta put my time in, and then you know, the red carpet will be rolled out." And you realize years later, you're like, "So much has to line up, and so many things just have to accidentally fall into place." Yeah. For any of this to actually come to fruition. Everybody, every musical story you've ever heard has some part of it that's like, I knew a dude, right place, yeah. right time. Um, yep. The only reason that, the, the guy, how many people have I interviewed were like, you know, the only reason I was even in the band is because uh, I knew... I knew a guy, and they needed a they needed a bass player, and I played guitar, so I just grabbed a bass instead. And yep. They've been in the yep. band fifteen years or whatever. Like the whole like uh, pre pre written map on how to get there doesn't exist. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I think I think that's something unless you, unless you're like just super mature at the time. I mean, I wasn't. I, I I just think that's something you don't realize until much much later. Right. I'm where it's just like, oh well. I might, yeah. I might still not be technically super mature. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, maybe. <laughs> okay, so so let's let's dive in now into the, like the bands, and you can spend as much time as you want talking about each one. Or I mean, you know, I I, I listened to you sent over your discography, um, and so I'm familiar with some of them. I listened to some of, some of the tracks, some of the albums, and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I want to I want to let you feel free to sort of ebb and flow in and out of them, but um, I mean you are incredibly prolific. I mean you've you've contributed to a ton of stuff over the years. Um, Thank you. So yeah, and I do, and, and I think the thing that I came away with one of the main takeaways that I had as I was listening to it, and and I think now hearing some of your story, I can understand how maybe you got to this point. Like, I mean, you've got stuff that's like heavy metal, uh, super technical stuff, and then you've got stuff that's more like, you know, sort of like almost punk vibe. Uh, you got like some pop indie rock stuff in the mix. Definitely. Um, does that, do you see that being just that through line of what you talked about earlier about like, I just grew up with a whole melting pot of music and this is like, so your interests were already sort of wide open to trying all of that stuff? Well, 
like how how did how did you see that being on the inside of it that you've just you you've tackled all these different genres and you've got you've got the skill and the taste as a drummer to to pull it off um i think my what i should probably get on my tombstone is i never wanted to be a rock star i always wanted to be a musician mm. and i think the early indoctrination mm. of listening to some of the drummers that i did I understood the drummer's role where, like, yeah, Larry Mullen has been in U2 since the beginning. He is U2's drummer. I don't know that sure. he's ever been on another recording as a drummer. I don't know. He may have been. I don't know. Hmm. But yeah. I was listening and kind of had a, my finger on um, Vinnie Kaliuta, Dave Weckl, drummers that were like session guys that were like, okay. you know, I... I, I showed up, I recorded, I maybe even tore it a leg, and then I'm out, later. And, and like, yeah. almost a little whorish <laughs> with their discography, <laughs> where they, they did everything from play on a, on a, on a Madonna song to uh, Chick Corea's uh, acoustic band, spelled with a K yeah. or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. how do you do... Because on the other hand, I'm listening to metal, and, like, that's a lifestyle, man. Like, like yeah. I, I can't be the drummer in your metal band. I don't have a leather jacket. Like, like that kind of stuff. You don't like. I don't have the look. Right, I, and 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 that used. To, that, uh, oh, I've told this story too. That used to terrify me. I'd be, we'd be, I'd be laying on Josh's bed, looking through like Rip magazine or something, mm -hmm. and um, you know, like <laughs> with all due respect, like a couple of girls were laying there on our stomachs with our feet up and our both of our <laughs> like chin in your hands, yeah. and you're like leafing through the like a, yeah. leafing through a boy magazine. But I'm looking at these bands and everything. And I, I just remember turning to Josh and be, I'm wearing like a <laughs> wearing like a 76ers tank top and like and like flip flops. And I remember just turning yep. to him and being like, I don't know if I can pull this off. Like like mm -hmm. I remember in particular it was Robert Sweet on the inside of In God We Trust, where the, okay. the dude was just like gorgeous. He just looked like such a pretty man, you know? And he yeah, yeah. he's got leather pants and suspenders and no shirt. And like a, a a perfectly hairy chest, and he had a seven 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 glued to his cheek, and he had like this Farrah Fawcett feathered hair, and I and I just remember being like, I oh can't do that, man. Like I I can't pull that off. Yeah, that's kind of what dragged me into the, all the other music was mm. I I started realizing like like I don't think REM cares what they look like, mm. you know, the cure yeah. the cure did. <laughs> you know, MTV was teaching me that some of these bands cared what they looked like, but I started I yeah. started seeing things in between the glitz and the glamour and the lights. Like, yeah, of course, a Motley Crue video is going to grab your attention because there's smoke and there's pyrotechnics and all this other stuff. But, but right. there was a part of me that was like, ah, I'm kind of interested in the sub the sub level side mm. of the musical. I'm I'm kind of more interested in how that giant board with all the sliders works than the whole like. Check me out. My drum set goes upside down when I do a solo. I, I was, I was, <laughs> right. I was never that guy. And, and um, it was the nuts and bolts of it. I mean, it was. Kinda. Uh, I really, I really yeah. wanted to. I really wanted to make sure. I, I, I would rather have people walk away going, "Wow, he's a really good drummer," than, "Wow, mm. he's cool." I didn't care about cool. I cared about like I wanted you to know that I, I did my homework and I knew my shit and I was ready to play. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, that's kind of why I was all over the place because I, I enjoy the challenge of it because like you said getting into the bands my first 
and arguably to this day biggest band was when I got into Crutch. And mm-hmm. that stuff was like uber technical and math. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I could handle it. That was, that was a challenge. Yeah. But I also enjoy the challenge of like, fast forward all these years, I'm playing in a funk band now where it's my job to not play like that. Mm, and there's a yeah. part of you that's tempted to kind of overplay and, 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 mm-hmm. and sh- hey, check out this chop and everything. And believe right. me, the drunk chick doesn't care. She just wants to dance. You know what I mean? So right. it, the challenge is, is the chameleon-esque attitude of it and being able, mm. like, to, like to, tonight, I'm filling in with another band and it's cover songs. I want to play a Justin Timberlake song tonight. Do you, think any of those, awesome. you think any of those people give a shit that there was a crutch part in 13-8? Nobody cares. <laughs> like it's not, my, it's not my job to show that off tonight. My job is to lay back and play uh, Shut Up and Dance With Me or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. And right, right. I, enjoy, I enjoy that. I enjoy wearing the mm. different hats. I, I, that, that to me satisfies me. That, that's what gets my yayas out as a musician is, 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 oh my God, you're the guy who did that too? Like, I like, I like that. Yeah. Habit, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, and as somebody who, I, you know, I think we've talked a little bit about this before. Like, I tend to be very OCD- uh, about the bands that I get into and the musicians I get into. So I think that's for me, you know, like, like when I first discovered cave in, I was like, Oh wow. Okay. cave has got this deep discography, but then you start unpacking it. Like, Oh, Steven, Steven Brodsky's got like six solo albums. And yeah, then Adam McGrath has clouds and they've done, you know, two albums and an EP and, you know, Rest in power, Caleb Schofield, but Caleb Schofield's got, you know, Zozebra and Old Man Glue, you know, and yeah. so for me, I, I I think that's sort of my entryway into what you're talking about, and uh, which is, if you, if I love an artist and I'm into what they're doing in one area, I want to explore everything they've done, and so I think for me, as I've been diving, like, I knew that you played in some of the stuff, but it really wasn't until, honestly this past week or so of, of like really diving in where I was like, Holy shit. Like Travis has been on tons, tons of stuff. And for me, that's, that's um, like my reaction is that's, that's a sign of respect for me because I'm like, wow, you have, you have done a ton of things and have done them all, at least to my ears, really, really well. Like there's an, there's an excellence behind what you have done that um, is coupled with the breadth of what you're able to do, if that makes any sense. It does. Um, Thank you for noticing it. So. Because, yeah, yeah, a lot of time is, I mean, a lot of, you know, hey, did you see this movie? No, I was working. Yeah. I was practicing something. I was, I was at home yeah. playing something or whatever. And, and um, yeah, nowadays with the home studio technology and everything, mm-hmm. anybody who records will tell you, yeah, it's super cool to own preamps and mics and all that kind of stuff. But, 90% of it is showing up ready to play, you know? Yeah. And if I show up yeah. and I'm not prepared, like I just I just did the satire thing in Chicago with Brian Gray. Um, okay. Admittedly, that was because because of the, the, the crazy situation of me going out there to record. I've never done anything like that before, and I've mm-hmm. listened to nothing but demos that wasn't on a click and everything. Admittedly, I probably wasn't as prepared as I could have been if I sat sure. down and really got under the hood, but I also wanted to depend on... Um, I, w- I wanted some gut reaction. I wanted some, mm-hmm. I wanted some last minute, we're going to take this route now, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. I wanted that to come out in the recording because I, 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 I didn't have another way to learn it. It was, it was really yeah. like, I'm listening to, 
uh, demos from 11 different songs from, I think, technically four different drummers. And, wow. And, and, and like some recording quality was different. And some of it was sure. recorded with Steve Albini, and other ones were recorded what no sounded way. like on a phone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it was yeah. like all over the map. So I thought, well, I kind of want my performance to be all over the map. So I'll get the structure down the best I could, the best I can. And I went out there and I played some songs front to back. Whether we kept the first take or not, whatever. But sure. there were some songs that I played front to back, and Brian was like, that sounded good. Want to do it again? And there were other songs we had to glue together because I was a train wreck. Mm. I just couldn't. Oh man, I never thought about how that transition would sound, and now that I hear it, I don't like it, and I got yeah. I got to write something on the spot now. And I tripped over it, tripped over it, tripped over it, and yeah, it, I, I I enjoy that challenge. I'm really I'm really yeah. more of a studio furrowed eyebrow. I'm working really hard. I'm not I'm not a big smoke pod cartwheels across the stage yeah. guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you want to get it? You want? You get in the trenches, and you want to get it done, and you want to do it well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and play, and, and it sounds like what you did with it's the satire is the name of the band? That one, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it sounds like, too, sorry, another car going by. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, real loud. <laughs> Stop driving on the road. <laughs> Try to record uh, a podcast in there. <laughs> this is important. <laughs> um, but you can you can – that that to me is is something where you you've earned your stripes to be able to do that to be able to to say I put the time in, and I'm skilled enough and I have enough both earned talent and let's say unearned talent just you know what you naturally have mm-hmm. innately to be able to say oh I'm going to do this now I'm going to try this approach and see how it works right. rather than you know just flying by the seat of your pants all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. you put your t- yeah. So yeah, because there's a huge difference. I mean, there's a huge difference between somebody who is like, oh, I'm just, I'm just here, whatever, yeah. whatever happens. I, happens. I envy, like I, I talked to Jeff from Zayo, and I envy drummers like him who mm. he got a phone call. If you listen to the episode, he got a phone call. He was sitting on the couch watching a football game, and he got a call saying, "We need you to record a solo." So somebody already filmed a drum solo in a movie. And we need you to play the solo. So wow. Jeff tabbed it out and then played to the <laughs> tablature and was home later that afternoon and recorded something for a movie. That's bonkers. Dude, oh, what I would give to be that good. Because the time, like, you're, you're giving me props for the time I put in. I probably mm-hmm. put in, like, a ridiculous amount of time. If I had to charge people for it, I'd be the most expensive drummer in, in the world because <laughs> <laughs> I need you. Right. I need you to send me demos, and I'm going to put them in my phone and listen to them over and over yeah. and over until the, the, until they become second major, like we wrote it together. Then I have to unlearn what I've been listening to because I want to write mm. my parts too. I want to put my own little Travisisms in there, if you will. And and yeah. if I listen to the same thing over and over again, like. I'm now listening on a different level of more of like a, it's time for me to record my stuff and put my accents in there because, yeah. you know, when's, when's the last time you went through and listened to a cave-in record and you've listened to that cave-in record 300 times, now, yep. now go through and listen to how you would play differently to make sure that the Jeremy Hunt side of is coming. Like, no one thinks like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're just enjoying it at the time. So I have to like dissect it and pull it apart, which I think makes more work for me. And then I get into this weird spiral of like, you know what? Forget it. I should just play it the way he sent it to me. But then if I just play it the way he sent it to me, why does he need me? 
I mean, he already has it. Like, so, so I, I, I yeah, you get into that weird headspace. I do, I do. Like, uh, and I make, yeah. I make myself crazy over it. And then the, the person is always like, dude, it's cool. <laughs> I always yeah. get like bent out of shape over my own stuff. And they're just like, you're kind of nuts. Settle down, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we asked you because we like you. Right. Or we asked you because you were available. Right. We asked you because we've heard what you've done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I learned that a lot too. That's a huge lesson is, it's not necessarily, I'm not the best drummer, you know, I'm nowhere near it, but I'm pretty good at being in a band. I'm pretty good at knowing mm. my role, not being yeah. a diva or that kind of thing or whatever. And, and I think um, that's got a lot to do with it is like, I don't think bands think about that. Like this might be the fastest shreddingest guitarist out there, but do you want to be in a van with him for six weeks? Think about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that goes back to what we were talking earlier about all these tenuous connections about success versus not success or making it versus not making it. Like that's one of those layers that nobody thinks about of like there are real personal group dynamics that come into play that if those don't line up and y'all don't get along, like it doesn't matter how good you are. Like it'll it'll sink it'll sink the ship. It has to. I mean, yeah, 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 yes, he's the best bass player that I've ever played with, but I kind of want to kill him every time I hear his name. So, like, what? <laughs> the minute he opens his mouth, his, his, <laughs> so it's like chalk on na- nails on chalk. Exactly. Chalkboard. It's like chalk on nails. Just, just, just chalk everywhere. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, yeah, I was uh, in a, I was in a local, weird, off the wall band called um, My Brother the Woodmaker. Stupid story. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we never recorded anything and only played local shows, never really did anything that anybody would know. But at that time, I was craving to do something heavier, and I really wanted to get the mathematical stuff out. I wanted to go for that. And my speaking of prolific, there's no better word to describe my cousin, Stephen, um, the, mm-hmm. the guy who used to host the show with me. He was the brainchild yeah. behind Tantrum with the Muse, and, um, mm-hmm. and then later on Teachers. He... Yeah. Tantrum and the Muse started doing their thing, and I was like driving out to Lancaster to hang with my cousin and watch his band. Because I mean, I, mm. I mean, I've known I've known his drummer Rick forever, and and I mean, we, you know, we all know each other. We're boys. Yeah. Right? So I, I went out there for a show, and he said, "There's a local metal band from Messiah College called Crutch. They're looking for a drummer." Mm. And and that's how that started. So I still I still owe this entire ball to get rolling to Stephen because he again. Say what you will about whoever, but put yourself out there. You just make more opportunities, and yeah. that was me being available and him knowing people and getting out there and talking to people, booking shows with them. Yeah. And I auditioned for him, and then I was in the band for four years. Yeah. 
Wow. Did you guys, uh, that involve uh, any touring or mostly like local stuff or what, what did that look like? Well, okay, so I talked to Scott from Zayo and they toured, toured, legit toured. Sure. And now they do like a trek of like three dates mm-hmm. and they call them like mini tours. Right. Yeah. I think they've earned their stripes because they toured for eight straight weeks before, and now they can call them a mini tour. Right. If a band mm-hmm. only ever got up to the mini tour level, right, right. I don't know if I qualify to say yes, we toured, <laughs> but we did long weekends. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like we would play yeah, three shows sure. in a weekend and come home and basically uh, get four hours of sleep and get up and go to work Monday. You know? Yeah. Um, Weekend, weekend warrior type stuff. There, yeah, but weekend just, warrior yeah. like Ohio. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'm a weekend warrior now, and I'm playing that bar over there. I like, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like weekend true. warrior before it involved a van and driving and losing yeah. like hundreds of dollars. Eventually, we switched the name from Crutch to Alathian while I was yeah. in my, my tenure, towards the end of my tenure. And okay. Alathian toured, toured, legit, climbed in a van and, and did more. Mm-hmm. One of the things holding them back was me. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't, I, I, I had a jobby job. I had a wife. I, yeah. I, had, I had kids coming and, and, and I, I could tell that they wanted to like spread their wings a little bit. And I was kind of like, uh, I can't, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I had to step down. When my okay. my wife got pregnant with twins, um, mm. uh, twins. I mean, pregnant is scary. Twins is like. Yeah. You know, I thought about jumping. first time out of the gate. You're like, what is yeah, happening? I know. I know. I, I don't mean to come across like that guy, but I'm like, oh, you're crying about your one kid. <laughs> you know, I had <laughs> I had one kid for an hour. <laughs> right. You're like, oh, and now I have two, and I don't know how exactly. to handle either of them. So. It, it just became completely obvious. Like my wife is a trooper, and she supports me. Mm. She supports me by kind of not caring. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm not saying she yeah. doesn't care. Like I don't care about what you're doing, but she supports me by like, yeah, go do your thing, whatever. I'm not. Yeah, gonna, there's that, that freedom. Yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna. I'm not gonna sit in a van with you guys to go watch a metal show in Ohio. She doesn't care. You know. Right. So, right. 
when but she's holding it down at home and taking care of things and making hundred percent yeah Yeah. so while i when we got the whole pregnant with twins thing i was kind of like uh uh, like somebody set somebody set the nine month clock on that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i could feel it was it was racing against the clock and getting as big as we could and and um yeah it was it was cornerstone 2002 that i told the guy i told the guys i i Man, we just we just played a huge Decapolis stage in front of like fifteen hundred people, supposedly. And wait, you played with the for uh, on a on the Decapolis stage? Yep. Were you ever part of that message board? Community? No, no. I mean, a couple times to jump on and get an address for a show or whatever. But I, yeah. I know that message board was was a huge thing, and it was also a shit show. And I, I yeah, I've never. Oh, it definitely was. I was on there for a few years, and I actually got to know a few folks. I went to Stone in twenty two thousand three. So I just missed you, just but missed yeah. yeah. Yep, I, uh, I haven't heard, I haven't Capitalist in ages. Yeah, that was we we played. Um, that was a Pen- that was Pennsylvania based, right? I don't know. I mean, where I don't even know. I thought well, because it was Conrad from uh, Goaty Hook that started it. I thought, and I thought they were up up in that neck of the woods, but maybe not. I may be making that up. That might be completely accurate. It might have been ten minutes from me the whole time. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Um. 2001 we got out there and I, I we played like we did generator shows and sure um did 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 well you know uh 2002 i think we played four times um okay one, wow. one of which being the big being the big uh decapolis stage with uh mike from burning records who was the guitarist from vessel uh they were the head okay. they were the headliner that night it was like a burning records night or whatever i, I guess okay. and um yeah, that was like that was like my biggest show to date at the time, and then the next day it was like, guys, I quit. I, I can't. Mm. You know, it wasn't I quit today. It was I quit. Right. Don't book any more shows. And I think from July of '02 around to March of '03, we played four more shows. Okay. And my last show was some metal festival in New Jersey, <laughs> like mm. Irvington, New Jersey. Like, don't don't park your car in the wrong area. <laughs> and um. <laughs> I remember we played on a Saturday early, like midday, and it was one of those like yeah. like you know you know the 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 party the party cannon joke, where all the all the bands are like splattered white, was, yep, on a black poster. It was that festival, and Lathian was in there somewhere, and um, <laughs> <laughs> we played on a Saturday, and Martyr from Canada played on Sunday. And oh wow! Okay. To this day, I don't know if Martyr's ever been back to America since then. So I remember playing my last show with with Alathian, driving home, and then my buddy Sean and I drove back out on Sunday to see Martyr. Holy crap! <laughs> and then I was like, "Okay, now I'm done." And I and then I yeah. And then now I'm out, and that was it. Yeah. And then, fast forward, jumping over a lot, 2008, Alathian had an opportunity to play Cornerstone again, and mm. I don't th- Joe, the guy who replaced me in Alathian, wasn't available or something, and. Okay. And they asked me to play, so I went back out and played in 08. And, uh, Dude, that's awesome. One show. <laughs> drove all the way to, yeah. drove to Chicago for one show. Yeah. And that's the last time I've played with them or they've played at all. Ten, wow. ten years ago. So are they like on hiatus? Are they officially just called it quits? They're done? I don't or? think they ever officially called it quits, but dude, they'll never, they'll, I don't think they'll yeah. ever play again. Yeah. I just don't, I don't think they're, I don't think they're going <laughs> to. Yeah. That's fair. I think I'm the phone call if they ever do decide to do something, but I don't. Mm. I mean, I'm still in touch with Alex on a regular basis, and he's 
it doesn't even cross his mind. It's not even a thought. So I'm pretty sure yeah. we. I'm pretty sure I can unofficially put the fork in Alathian at this point. But <laughs> it's not my job to make yeah. that call. So whatever. Right. Yeah. 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 You know? For sure. So then after that, like, uh, I mean, I know there was is it Solomars, Salomars. I may be butchering the name. Solomars. Uh, that's fine. Solomar. It's it's a Greek word that Alex made up anyway. So you can pronounce it however you want. that fit into this 2003 and my buddy Ryan was in like a pop band kind of like a Jimmy Eat World Weezer sort of mm. band called the called Four Minute Mile changed his name to the House Lights um, okay he was oh like, and the, yeah I listened to some of that music too yeah. so you played mm -hmm. yeah the, I went to a wedding the guy from my brother the woodmaker was getting married mm -hmm. and at his wedding reception my buddy Ryan who played bass was like hey our drummer's quitting you should check it out and I mean uh, we had just had twins and I was just like Ah, I just I just got out of this. Do I do this again? Mm. But it was local. It was all local. These guys are married. Sure. Uh, so everybody's sort of on the same wavelength. Feels safer. Uh, all right. Let me go. Yeah. Let me go tool around with it and everything. And then that became a thing for like two years. You know. Mm. So yeah. They went to Japan and everything. I was supposed to go to Japan with them and couldn't get off work. Cutter, broken and a clone. I am the one you trust when you're all alone. I am the poster boy for all the things you hate. 
trust when you're all alone Well, is it a dream? Is it a lie? Is it after this God only knows why Did you not want for anything more? Put a stupid post on a bathroom floor And when I rise above These tricks out to this small town I have no The guy I replaced replaced me in Japan. <laughs> it's a very incestuous bunch, you know. It, yeah. It's all like Lehigh Valley is like twenty-five musicians. Of, we just keep rearranging this, the lineups until somebody makes it. <laughs> nobody ever makes it, you know. Whatever. <clears throat> you know, one of the things as I'm hearing you talk about this, one of the things that I wonder if if it would ever be in, uh, of any interest to you or worth your time. I mean, I think there's something to be said for like local scenes. Mm-hmm. And what sort of the outlets and the communities that they provide and that sort of thing. And I think there's, uh, it sounds like you've got a really good bead just from your own involvement on like the history of the scene there. Like, I think it'd be fascinating for you at some point to do like either an oral history or (laughs) some sort of just an overview of like, this is what our scene looked like. Yeah. Like these are the bands, these are the, you know, the, the folks who were involved, this is the output, this is what was... Because I think that stuff's important, even just from sort of a... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, sort of a cultural... Uh, a cultural landscape sort of idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I think now... So I guess I guess this is where how I'm trying to frame it in my head. I'm not doing a good job of explaining it. (laughs) I think now we're at a point where it's like, there's so much music and because of the technology, there's so much that you can listen to at a drop of, at the drop of a hat, which on the one hand is fantastic. But I wonder if one of the things that we're sort of losing in that is that sense of like the local scene and the community and what those things did and the sort of 100% purposes that they serve so i i simply throw that out there i mean i know you've got a ton on your plate and you've got other projects and stuff in the works but i i think it'd be fascinating to have like you and maybe some of the zayo guys because i know you're friends with them and like seth and every you know the folks that you and steven maybe who were part of this sort of collective Mm -hmm. over a certain period of time just sit down and be like hey Let's just kind of map things out. I mean, almost like a musical family tree of like, this is what we did. And this is, this person did this. And like, just to give that sort of like cultural communal history and perspective, I think, I think that sort of stuff is, is important and valuable just to be able to keep track of things. Cause if not, it just gets lost. True. Uh, I think it's like you said, it's, 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 it's a, blessing and a curse it's on one hand it's fantastic to be able to um i can find a i can find a band from the woods in sweden that just recorded today you know right uh, yep. and and it also does something to ruin local because i'm not paying attention to the local scene while i'm doing that so yeah your head can only be in one headspace at a time and and um, yeah. that that has to do going back to what you said about how like people don't hang out as much as yeah. they used to, because I'm not paying attention to my local friend on my street right now because I'm talking to a friend from Azusa, California that I made because of technology. <laughs> you and I right. had, had like 
good friendship conversations together. And I don't know yeah, yeah. when I'm ever going to bump into you. You know what I mean? So yeah, it, it's, it's kind of, I think somebody, I, I don't remember where I heard this, but do you want to see out of one window really clearly, or do you want to be in mm. a glass house of dirty windows where you can kind of see a little, you know what I mean? Wow. Like, like, do you want narrow yeah. focus on one thing or do you want a kind of a dilution, a diluted everything, you know? Yeah. And, and I go in and out, <laughs> I pick and choose yeah. like, you know, yeah. it's super cool to be connected to a scene. Metal band camp gift club became a scene. It became a thing that got band mm -hmm. camps attention. And like, like we yeah. were, we were just ragtag from all over the place. There wasn't, there wasn't yeah. like a cluster of people in, uh, so-and-so Pennsylvania that came up with this. No, it was this dude's involved in pet cows in Canada. And I mean, like yeah. it's all over the place. So, I mean, like it, it's, super cool that you can pull friends from everywhere and it, it's it's interesting too because i feel like because of the podcast and because of community and online and that kind of thing i've i have a friend in every state i could probably go crash mm. on somebody's couch anywhere wherever whatever yeah. direction i decide to go but because we're all so busy i'm never going to be able to utilize that so what's the point you know right. yeah. so it is what it is well bye yeah See later yeah nice talking to you. talk to you in yeah. a year you know right and we can yeah. all we can all keep up with each other at every minute, if we post everything that's going on on Facebook, like I'll, I'll watch your yeah. daughters as they get older and that kind of thing. So I do kind of feel caught up with that. I feel caught up with you without talking to you. Yeah. Which is it's a weird, never worked that way before. You know? Yeah. It's we're, we're in a weird spot with all of that stuff. Right. Yep. In a very strange, like it's amazing. Like you said that we have our friendship, but we've never met right. or I mean, we've never hung out in person, right. I guess to put it uh, um, you know, and I feel that, well, I, I did have a chance to hang out with Seth, so we actually have had some, like, actual human interaction, but yeah, there's, uh, like, I don't, it, it's a, it's a weird sort of halfway in between, because I don't want to, I think there's value in these, in these sorts of friendships and relationships, but it can only sort of go to a point, mm -hmm. you know, like, there's a point at which, I don't think it could ever replace like physical human interaction in the flesh in person. Right. Agree. Okay. But I also don't, but I don't want to throw those things out either mm -hmm. because they, you know, mm -hmm. they have value and meaning of work. So do both. Yeah. Balance it all. Yeah. As best you can, you know? So realize we've been like, I mean, this has been fun. We've been chatting for a long time, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time. That's fine. I'm, um, I'm okay. Cause I know it's almost, it's almost 11 or noon your time. 11. Um, so let's, let's touch on the podcast in a second, but from, from the band perspective, I mean, where, where are you at right now? I, I know you talked about the satire, mm -hmm. uh, like, do you have active projects other than that going on? I know you, you play with a band locally. I mean, do you have? Do you have? I, it sounds like you've you've done a lot, like with other people, where you've been a big piece of the bands. Do you have anything right now, or do you have anything in mind where you're like, I want this to be like, this is my project. Like, I'm the I'm the band leader. I'm driving, you know, directing the ship. Or, or are you, like, is it more? fun to, to like plug in and do this sort of stuff where, where where's your head at like right now it's all that stuff the closest thing to that example would be half bomber a band that i started with two friends 
They are uh, two friends, the bass player from the House Lights and my buddy Alan, who is the bass player from the House Lights. His name is Leon. Alan and Leon are twin brothers. I can't okay. get away from twins in my life. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they, we are, we're just bros from 20 years ago and it's always going to be a thing and we have a tendency to not get together for a year and then we'll mm. get together and write an EP and then it takes forever to record it and it's just a fun excuse to, hey we're going to get together and we're either going to drink too much whiskey and watch Boondock Saints or we'll write a song <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out when you get here you know. but right. for the most part I have been plugging into a bunch of different situations and I'm getting paid <laughs> too so i mean like that's that's awesome kind of important yeah good way to sell it to the family too like you know the whole like i'm going to blow an entire saturday night and come home thirty dollars further in the hole is a tougher sell than i'm going to go play this bar and come home with 80 bucks you know yeah so whatever but i um i have half bombers like mine if ours i should say it's not mine sure i guess i'm the driver behind that and then Mm. and then um, technically, I'm in the satire. Brian Gray's band are based out of Chicago, and yep. I <laughs> might might play a show with them sometime. Might sure. not, I don't know, but I'm going to record with them. I already did record the drums, and that that is it. Fair to say that's sort of an offshoot of the Blamed by way of Brian Gray, or like yeah, yeah, like a continuation of that vision, I maybe think, or something think, completely different. Yeah, I, well, Blamed is more punk indie. Like it's more, mm-hmm. blamed is more of a punk band that found its way to Fugazi, in my opinion. Okay, yeah. Satire yeah. is more hardcore. Um, Jesse uh, Hawley, the vocalist, he's definitely got more of a kind of got that angry tough guy vocal thing going. Um, yeah. You know, and and it's it's definitely you know four on the china sometimes. It's just yeah, it's yeah. got some just meat and potatoes breakdown parts too, that, which is super fun. Nice. I mean, that's that's awesome to play. And there's lots of math in there too. Brian's also a huge Meshuggah fan, so. There's mm. weird mathematical. Like again, I got out there and was just like, "This is way harder what than I thought it was going to be." Yeah, so it's definitely not straightforward four four boring either. So I'm, yeah. I'm stoked to hear that how that's going to turn out. And oh. then, um, and then uh, I play. I'm I'm currently in a band, a local band called Meet the Mayor. Um, mm-hmm. They're a funk band. I mean, we play like the Meters and like like. Cl- Grover Washington Jr. songs and stuff like like like, wow. like super off the yeah and 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 they have some originals like jam band uh, funk original stuff too that, that maybe we'll record someday maybe we won't I don't know but that's yeah. that's a band that I'm quote unquote in um, mm-hmm. I fill in for uh, two other bands um, there's a local band called the Peter Johan Band led by mm-hmm. my friend Peter Johan they, they're just a cover band. They, they play like funk kind of stuff, but it's all covers. Their drummer is very in and out with his schedule because he's got his own business. And sometimes mm. it's just like, dude, I straight up can't play. Can you fill in? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> and I'll jump in that Please. seat. And there's another band from around here called 18th Hour, which are like, they're like big local uh, 
blues rock kind of a band. They they are very mid two thousands radio rock. They're very okay. like I hate to compare them to Creed because they're not they're totally not like that like sure. easy. <laughs> but right. but um their 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 drummer who's been a, a friend of mine for a long time actually having problems with his arms and mm. um when he can't play i fill in for him so it's like wow. i have all these libraries of music in my head because i don't know how to tab it out i don't know how to write it so that's I've just, so wild i've done the work to just know all those songs and when they call i go and i i'm kind of i'm kind of on on retainer with these bands so to speak yeah and um and then i have other projects too that are like laying and waiting for when i get around to recording stuff or maybe i have stuff recorded and i'm waiting for them to do guitars and stuff sure but, um you know scott mellinger and i talk there's things going on there you know so nice yeah, yeah i've 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 tooled around with quite a quite a few things and i'm i'm super 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 busy i'm playing more drums now than i ever have before and i i, I wouldn't wow. have it any other way so that's awesome man yeah but the um the highlights now we're jumping backwards the highlights were you know doing solo mores with with alex is because of crutch you know mm. doing unteachers with steven was because of he's my cousin and and my relationship yeah. with tantrum of the muse and everything like that it, it it's very very much of the work from all the recordings that people would know it was from that very scene that you said i should do like an oral history of because yeah it is it is it's where i was it's where it's where my it's where my my roots are you know yeah and I think that stuff's important. Like, and I, I guess that's why I, I said I think it'd be fascinating to have you and some other guys who are part of that collaborate or put something like that together because I think that stuff's important. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so to kind of start wrapping things up. Um, okay. All right. Shifting over to as the story grows. Okay. Obviously, you've put a lot of time into this. <clears throat> you've been involved in it pretty much from the beginning. I think. I mean, you and Stephen. As the story grows is mine, I started that from okay. the wreckage of Black Vinyl Collective, which I did okay. like 20 episodes of, and then okay. um, that guy, uh, he, he, busy dude, runs his own business, runs his own label, and Jesse mm. just told me, like, basically, like, do you want the podcast? You can have it. And I was like, I, uh, uh, yeah, yes, yes, I do, actually. So I rebranded it and started it over, and... As the story grows, started up in April of 2015, so just past the three-year mark with that. But I started mm -hmm. podcasting for Black Vinyl Collective in October of 2014, so I'm I'm I'm, wow. rolling, I'm rolling up on four years of doing it. Yeah. What have been some of your biggest takeaways from it? I mean, just in terms of all the conversations, all the people you've interviewed. Like, what are what are some of the? I'm sure it's hard to like boil it down, but I mean. Yeah, it's it's what well, it's tough. It's a tough statement to to make, but I'll try because I knew you were going to ask me something like this, so I'll try to. <laughs> <laughs> this this podcast has proven to me that I'm willing to bet you we could solve all the world's problems if we would just shut the fuck up and listen to each other. Hmm. Because there have been so many times where. It didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. Hmm. And, or you sit down and, 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 like me as the interviewer, my job is to try to make you interested mm. so that you don't go, yeah, no, five, 
Like, well, who wants to li- who wants to listen to such such a like a statistical like who wants to read a phone book on the air? You right. know what I mean? So there's been times where I've I've said what I could to engage somebody, and they're kind of an engaging person right back, and the conversation mm-hmm. went, goes back and forth mm-hmm. to bud into a friendship which continues off the air and you talk and talk and talk and you learn so much from the person and yeah. your takeaways are so big that you feel you as a person start to change, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I feel like not everybody, I mean, I, I haven't made 155 friends that I text every day. That would be insane. I would do nothing but talk, you know, but <laughs> right. um, I have to work and stuff, <laughs> but I, I have taken away people just from the community, the overall, the, the even, even folks that like weren't on the show but became friends because of the show and everything, I have changed as a person completely because mm. I have had hundreds of conversations with people which opened me up to hundreds of different perspectives. Mm. And I'm convinced yeah. if we would all do that with an open mind, we, 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 we could arrive at agreeing to disagree and maybe not chuck yeah. missiles at each other. You know what I mean? But... <sighs> sounds like a yeah. dream and people I, I know people would hear that and be like no uh, yes you damn hippie the fact, the fact that you responded like that is kind of exactly my point you know right yeah so yeah that, that that's my biggest takeaway is man just mm. shut up a minute and let the person talk and listen to them yeah. you know but we don't do that it's too easy to fire back with no <laughs> you know <laughs> no you're wrong digitally it's too you're wrong easy. because yeah, yeah, here's why. Oh, yeah. oh, sure, of course you feel that way, libtard. Oh, jeez. Like, like, I wasn't even talking about politics a minute ago. What are you doing, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I think um, my biggest takeaway has been all the friends that I've made from it that I still talk to, that I'm still, like, like you. I'm talking, I'm talking to you right now because, be, because we grew closer because of things I said on the show, which made you say, hey, you were talking to so-and-so and you mentioned this. Oh yeah, and then you and I have it shoot back and forth and text about yep. that or whatever, and that's my 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 biggest takeaway has been the people that I get to keep from it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think I just thought of the this episode. I think it's the art of listening. Say it again. Because that's what you do. The art of listening. Ah, yep. Because that's what you do. I mean, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about our entire conversation right now. Everything that, and what you just said. Like, it's it's what you do. It's what you have done over you know the past however many years as a drummer. It's what you've done as a musician. You listen. Yeah, I think I'm. You listen and you and you and you take it in and you and you interpret it and you and you put something and you put art and craft and and you know beauty back out into the world based on what you're hearing from people. I mean, I, I think, think there's. I think it's funny that Skype crapped out right when you said the art of listening, and I had to go, huh? What did you say? <laughs> That's, Damn you, technology! That's, that's my that's my life in a nutshell. Is, is the, the total Wait, wa- the womp womp sitcom joke afterwards? Ugh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm not. I haven't arrived there. I can't write a book on how to do it, but I think I've gotten. I've definitely gotten better at it because it's been it's it's been my job. I signed. I, yeah. I decided to do a podcast. I try. I've been accused of steamrolling over people, and. Mm. There's times where I'm just so excited to get a point out. Of course, of course, I'm like, ah, 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 ah. and, there's, and sure. there's other t- there's other times that Skype does not line up, and I don't hear the person, and I am literally 
overlapping them because the lag was there. And then I hear it back, and I'm like, I can't edit that out. I sound like a train wreck, but, <laughs> you know, whatever. But yeah. I think um, the listening part has humbled me, man. There's been, there's been, I mean, I, I'm never really afraid to approach anybody, even though they're big rock stars or whatever. I've never, sure. I've never been afraid to approach them. But I do respect that these people are like busy, and my show is not going to garnish the listens. That I mean, they're lined up to do three podcasts today, and all three of them are like legit podcasts everyone's ever heard of. And I'm right. sure their publicist was like, as the story grows, what the hell's that? You know what I mean? Why are you doing this? Yeah, who? And um, I'm, I'm honored to be there and everything, so I'm going to give them the time. Mm-hmm. And, I, dude, I can count on one hand how many times I got rock starred. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been a couple people that have been a little bit like, whatever. I can, I can tell that I was right. wasting their time and they made me feel so, you know? But I don't have enough fingers to count how many people blew me away, how nice they were, how great, like... Mm-hmm. Like, Gene Hoagland. I've been listening to him since I was a kid. He was so nice to me. We don't yeah. talk. We don't hang. He probably doesn't remember me. But the hour, hour and a half that he gave me, he was genuine. He was honest. We were laughing. He was a good dude. And I just felt like, as the story grows, is the only reason I got that opportunity. And I get to mm. say I talked to Gene for an hour. It's pretty cool, you know? Yeah. Um, and those examples, I, I could keep you on the phone another three hours giving you examples of those, so we won't do it. But yeah. Yeah, that my takeaway has just been like, I'm not that guy that sits at the picnic and goes, "Yeah, I interviewed blah 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 from blah." Ooh, right. But but I did, and if yeah. the, if it comes up in conversation, I can be like, "You should see who I have in my phone." <laughs> I'm blown away <laughs> the phone numbers I have in my phone. Yeah, yeah, but it's pretty neat. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, I guess now is as good a time as any to for you to talk about what's next. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, the floor is yours. We can sort of wrap it up with this, however you want to end it. But okay. I know there's some stuff you want to share with, with the, the listeners, the folks that have been yeah. you know, with you from the beginning, folks that have jumped on. I quit. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye. Later. I, this uh, was fun. Yeah. I, I, in, in everything that I've been talking about, how busy I am and, and, and the kids mm-hmm. and all the drum stuff that's coming up, which I really love doing, and it's it's my it's my main focus and everything. I have decided to shift the power <laughs> over to Brian Patton. I'm mm-hmm. going to step down from the podcast and um, focus on family and my drumming career, if you will, using that <laughs> word super lightly and tongue in cheek and laughing about it. Sure, but. Uh, this has been fun. I had a blast doing it, and I'm not even saying that you'll never hear from me again. I'm just saying right now it's time for me to hand it over to someone that's got the energy and the and the and the, and the gumption to do it. I just don't. I can't. Yeah. I, I just can't. Like it's getting to the point where someone cancels on me and we can't reschedule for three weeks, and I'm like, how the mm. hell do I maintain a podcast doing that? You know? Yeah. So Brian's been helping me for a couple years now. Anyway, he's just been such an angel about it. Never asked me for anything. Just wanted to help. So I handed everything over to him, which means anyone who's contributing to Patreon, your money is now going directly to Brian. Like, and, and, and those are the main people I want to thank. I want to thank everybody who ever listened. I want to thank every guest who's ever been on. I'm sure only a fraction of you are hearing this now. But the main people I want to thank are the people who actually opened up their wallets and threw me a couple bucks. And, mm. and um, that was a rotating cast of characters, too, because there were people from the beginning. I don't have anybody. From when I started Patreon, I don't have one original patron anymore because oh wow, 
so they had to drop out. Dude, I had kids. Yeah. I can't give you my $2 a month anymore. Fine. No yeah. problem. You're not paying my mortgage anyway. I just appreciated the coffee, really, you know? Right. But, um, <laughs> but now there's been people out of the blue who I'd never even heard of before that, that have just been like, here's a couple bucks a month, you know? And mm. I mean, never really made a lot of money doing it, but I, I sure do appreciate how hard it is to get anybody to crack open their wallet and throw you a buck nowadays. Yeah. Everybody wants it, you know? And, yeah. But uh, long story short, I'm... It's time. It's time. Yeah. It's, it's time for me to get the hell out of the limelight and let somebody else have it for you know, for a little while. <laughs> yeah. And um, I wish Brian the best. He's a, such a good dude. A- anybody who who wants to reach out to him, um, and have conversations about music and everything, dude. This guy started his own. This guy's nuts. He started his own record label nowadays. Like who does that? You know. Yeah. Like what are you stupid? <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> he, he cares like he has he's already he's he's been doing podcasting forever he has his own shows he does his own like um um i forget what you call that when you basically like post a playlist but um he's been doing that forever mm. and yeah um plays drums uh play has played in bands started his own record label this this would be the perfect tool for him to utilize mm. to to do all that stuff and i'm sure he'll do a great job so awesome so that's that. It just coincidentally enough, you hit me months ago with the whole like, "Hey, I'd like to talk to you and turn and and the t- oh how the turntables have turned, you know." <laughs> and 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 we just could not get our act together with your schedule yeah. and mine and everything. Yeah. And now this worked out, and I was like, "Guess what? Uh, might wind up being my last show." So, huh? so here we are. So, thanks. Yeah, thanks man. Everybody, appreciate it. I'm glad we were able to do this, and I know that. Uh, I mean, I, I I know I speak for a lot of folks that when I say this that will miss you on this side of things. But I'm excited that you're continuing to pursue the music stuff that you're you know, clearly gifted at and talented and hardworking at. And so, um, so for future stuff, let's say. I mean, I know as the story grows, we'll continue. Right. Uh, with Brian and you're right. He's, he, I've, I've had a few little, couple little chats with him here and there on Twitter. I mean, just super, super genuine, super nice guy. Good dude. Um, so I'm excited that he's going to be continuing this mm-hmm. for you. How can folks stay in touch, track, support the music you're doing? What, you know, what, what are, what are the best ways for people to kind of continue, you know, helping you out and just listening and being a part of that sort of that online community with you? Okay. Um, by the time this show is up, I'm going to have, uh, my website, which is my name is Trav.com. Mm-hmm. It's cl- clever, right? I came up with that on my it's own. Good. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's probably going to be a redirect to my shitty little Tumblr site that I just kind of post dumb pictures of my drums or whatever, but, sure. uh, Seth Werkheiser, uh, uh, granddaddy of the internet, he and yep. I are going to take the time to build like a legit website and in awesome. time it'll become a thing as of right now it'll just be a way to get in touch with me or whatever but okay. uh, I guess short answer my name is trav.com awesome and get a hold of the podcast Brian and I are, it's not like he's never going to talk to me again you know what I mean yeah but shunned unshunned yeah, yeah Brian's like thanks for the keys idiot and he changes all the passwords and I don't hear from him it's been real, peace. Yeah, I come back and knock on the door. Hey, it's Trav. I'm sorry, I don't know who that is. <laughs> the little thing shuts. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Dude, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. 
I feel less douchey that someone asked to talk to me on the show because if I would have been like, I'm going to release my own final episode about myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just not who I am. So I actually, I'm so glad you brought that up because I actually meant to. I, I forgot in my little intro that I put up. I meant to put that in there. Like this was my idea. So if the show sucks, you can blame me. That's like if this episode do. sucks, please do blame me. Uh, if it's awesome, all credit to to Trav. But yeah, well, I, I meant awesome. to. I meant to say that. I meant to be like this. This started with me. So it's not. <laughs> it's not some sort of weird like power like right. ego trip. Yeah, it's not like a pre—it's not like a premeditated Danzig interview where the guy writes his own questions and answers so he can sound cool or whatever. Right, this exactly. Was, this was totally Jeremy saying, "Hey, I want to host your show and talk to you." I was like, "Okay, yeah. that would be great." There's one I don't have to do, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, but thanks, thanks for doing yeah, that, man. man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. And uh, much love. Much love back. Yeah, dude. So sweet. I love you. Take care. Bye bye. Storygrows.com and subscribe so you don't miss anything. Special thanks to Brian Patton who helps me out with the interviews, scheduling, and editing of this show. Visit the Bandcamp link in the notes of this show for some free cover songs, some free tunes, and merch. If you like what you heard and would like to help, there's a Patreon link on every episode, or you can look for the dollar sign on the website for one-time donations. If you can't afford to donate, no problem. Tell a friend, and thank you so much for listening today. Take care. Bye-bye.